Welcome to Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends. This is my friend, Michelle Woods. Michelle, what are we going to talk about today? Hey, Shannon. But today we've got a good, good little handful of topics. So first is playmates versus roommates, sexpectations, scary rooms, and magic wands. Now, I always find it so interesting how we can <laughs> weave all these things together to make a cohesive yeah, podcast yeah. And, and have it come out sounding like we're sane. Sound like we know what how all these uh, fit together. <laughs> I don't. I have no clue. I just follow your leads. So. Well, I, I'm sure the people have figured it out that it's kind of like when you write a fiction novel, you start at the end and then you back up to create yeah. the details. So yes, I created these little snippets to whet people's appetite for the topic that we are going to talk about today, which yeah. really, uh, I'm excited, but I'm heartbroken. Uh, so the reason that I'm excited is because we have reached that point in our podcast that now that we're public, we're starting to hear from some of our listeners with their questions or their comments or their prayer requests. But yeah. the one that came in that I wanted to focus on today literally ripped my heart out of my chest. And oh, so, yeah, we're going to hear a voice memo that Annie, who's been married 12 years, left for us. Okay. My name is Annie, and I've been married for 12 years. I would like prayers for my marriage. My heart is breaking that I cannot connect physically with my husband. We have been in a sexless marriage for all 12 years. Sex only happens when he initiates, which is maybe once every other month. There are times we go six months to a year with no physical intimacy. I felt elated if we have had sex twice in a month. If I got brave enough to initiate, he would turn me down. He has only told me that I am disgusting for wanting to have sex all the time and that only whores want sex all the time. I love my husband, and I know he loves me in his own way, but I feel my heart growing bitter towards him. I feel like we are just roommates. I've tried to express my feelings to him, but he quickly becomes defensive and makes me feel like I'm wrong for wanting to have sex. I don't know what to do. Am I wrong or sinful for wanting that physical intimacy with him? Is there something wrong with me? that I have higher desire than he does. I don't even know how to bring this to God without feeling ashamed. Please pray for me. Thank you. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that breaks my heart for not just her, uh, but, but for him too, yeah. for both of them. Exactly. I have to admit though, that when I first read it, my knee jerk response was what you told her that she's disgusting Right. And that only whores want sex all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you shame her? Shame sure. on you for shaming her. But then I thought, wait a minute. Shame is the root of the problem. But I think mm -hmm. it's his shame, not her shame, that's right. the root of the problem. And so I thought, you know what? More shame is not the solution to this dilemma. Less mm -hmm. shame is. So I really right. want to say, Mr. Annie's husband. <laughs> we don't know his name, but Mr. Annie's husband, I just want to say shame off you. I don't know who said to you in your lifetime, shame on you thinking sexual thoughts or having sexual desires, but I just want to say shame off you, but let's dive into this 
deeper. What was your knee-jerk reaction other than just being heartbroken, Michelle? Well, yeah, same. I mean, same as yours. You know, initially you just think, you know, how could he say that to her? And, you know, she, from what we can tell, she's not stepping out of her marriage. She's not going elsewhere. She wants him and is being, um, you know, feeling neglected and uh, rejected. And so that hurts me for her. But then I guess throughout my my life experiences, you know, you realize that he, I mean, we're wired to desire sex. So there has to be reasoning behind why he feels the way he feels. So, you know, once I get my thoughts in check, you know, after that initial thought, I just, my heart really hurts for him because there has to be, you know, some painful emotions, obviously, you know, tied in with with his uh, lack of desire for her yeah, or and, her, but, but sex in general. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I would say ding, ding, ding. Yes. There's got to be layers and layers of this. that has to be peeled mm-hmm. back. And so unfortunately, without the ability to talk to him directly, we can't know for sure, but we can yeah. conjecture because here's the thing. I think lots of couples are impacted by this. I think that more couples than most people realize have been impacted by a sexless marriage dynamic, at least for short periods of time, if not for much longer periods of time. Now, I understand that you did a little bit of Google search that you, you consulted your own personal <laughs> Google machine. That's what my, my father-in-law asked me one time. He said, so help me understand how all this works. Does everybody have their own personal Google machine? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you too can have your own Google machine. Yeah. Sir. So what did your Google machine tell you about sexless marriage? So one thing I wanted to know from my Google machine was, you know, what, is a sexless marriage. And it said that uh, experts define a sexless marriage as couples that have sex no more than 10 times a year. So basically less than once a month. Yeah. And I know that there are some people listening who are like, well, I get sex more than once a month, but it's not very good sex. So it still feels like a sexless marriage to me. Sure. Yeah. So I guess it's just different for everybody. You know, sexless may be uh, less than once a week, you know, who knows, or, you know, I guess it's different for everybody. Yep. That's, that's a relative term. It is definitely sexless is definitely a relative term, but I think that probably a better descriptor would be for people who are complaining, not as much about the frequency, but as much about, it's more about the quality. I think that calling it a sparkless marriage would mm-hmm. probably be a more accurate description. And, and I think that we'll cover that on another show. But for right now, let's just stick with a sexless marriage. So let's, let's dive into some of Annie's questions. The, the question of, is it normal that her heart would be growing bitter toward him? Like I envision if, if your parents literally starved you, like we had a woman who attended uh, Women at the Well workshop a few years ago, and she told us a story about how her parents would withhold food as a punishment. So if, if she or her siblings did anything wrong that afternoon after school, there was a good chance that they were going to get sent to bed without supper. And mm. that she even remembers eating Kleenex or the shavings out of her gerbil cage just to put something in her stomach oh so she could gosh. go to sleep at night. Yeah. So she was literally physically starved. Starving. Yeah. And so you can imagine how much bitterness and resentment toward her parents she had pent up inside of her that came mm-hmm. out over those four yeah. days. I would say that this is really not that different, that when it comes to sex, 
we can't just go to somewhere else. We can't go to somebody else to meet sure. that need. If our spouse is literally starving us and we have an appetite that isn't being fed at all or so infrequently that, that we literally feel as if we're starving in between, I think that bitterness is the only normal human response, don't you? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would feel bitter and angry and hurt. And, you know, one of the things that she said was that he he loves me in his own way. And, you know, over time, I, I think back to the whole love language thing and how crucial I've always felt like that is in a marriage. And, you know, one of those is physical touch. Mm -hmm. And and that doesn't have to mean sex, but for some people it does. Sure. But yeah, I just think of, you know, those needs, you know, we we all have ways that we need to be loved and want to be loved. And anytime we're not getting loved, especially in this area, absolutely bitterness just rejection. Exactly. It feels like a huge rejection. It feels like yes. a, a huge slap in the face to the mm -hmm. sense of who we are as sexual beings. So right. her comment that I feel like we're just roommates. Mm. Yeah. Duh. I, I would completely agree that someone who is just living with someone and sharing the bills and managing household responsibilities, maybe even raising kids would feel like just roommates if there's no sexual yeah. intimacy. Yeah. Just going through the motions of, of life together and that's it. Yeah. There've actually been some women who came to me for premarital counseling through the years who have actually asked the question, is it okay that I really don't want to have sex with them? And their thinking is that sex is dirty, sex is bad. And that's why I wanted to do the episodes about laying that theological foundation before we got right. into topics like this. But, uh, you know, they would ask, you know, well, is it okay if I just want to like hold hands and snuggle and kiss, but not necessarily have sex? And I mm. tell them outright, if that is what you're already feeling before walking the aisle to marry him, do not marry him. Yeah. That if he doesn't turn you on, if you're not excited about sharing a sexual adventure in life with him, don't marry him because right. it's not going to be a marriage. What you're describing of just sitting on the couch and snuggling and like that's that's dating but that is yeah. not marriage <laughs> yeah one of the stats that i had read is that people in sexless marriages are more likely to seek divorce than those with active sex lives yeah we're going to take a little quick detour and just address that very question that some people might have is is a sexless marriage grounds for divorce now let me preface what i'm about to say by saying that just because one has grounds for the for a divorce doesn't always mean that divorce is the best option. There are a lot of people who feel as if they have grounds for divorce, but because the marriage provides security for the children or financial security for them, that they choose not to divorce. So I'm not right. prescribing it. I'm no. only describing it that yes, that is frequently uh, cited as the reason for a divorce is sexlessness. And when you kind of peel back the layers of that, there's deep feelings of alienation and abandonment and deprivation. And that can cause a person to feel like they're crazy. And that's never a good marriage dynamic. But you know what I find so interesting about Jewish laws 
Michelle. And maybe we should have put that in as one of the early <laughs> tidbits that we're going to cover. But that probably doesn't sound too exciting to most people. <laughs> we're going to talk about Jewish, Jewish law. law. Yeah. No thanks. Next now, podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this one is actually quite intriguing to me because it just reveals how backwards we have it as Christians. Well, according to Christian tradition, the, the mindset of so many Christian women, especially, is what I hear is that sex is just my marital duty. I don't really get anything out of it. It's just something that I do for him. So I'll have to buck up because it's, it's, my, it's my sacrifice to God to have sex with my husband, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Right. And it's like that mentality is so bass backwards compared to <laughs> Jewish yes. law. Right. So according to Jewish law, it is a woman's right in the marriage to be sexually satisfied. Mm. And if she's not, she has the legal right to divorce her husband. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not prescribing it. I'm only describing right. it. And I didn't write the law, so don't throw a stone at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that it is a woman's right to be sexually satisfied, but I would go further than that. I would say that it's every partner's right to be sexually satisfied yeah. within the marriage. Let's not leave the men folk out of this. It, exactly. It, it goes both ways. I think that marriage is definitely the place uh, that sex happens and that if marriage is sexless, of course you're going to feel like just roommates. Of course it's not going to feel like a marriage. Sure. So, so the thing about she's tried to express her feelings to him, but he gets so defensive and makes her feel as if she's wrong. I encourage her to get a really strong backbone. There are so many partners, not just women, but partners who feel as if, if they're told by their spouse that well, you're wrong for feeling that way, they believe them. Yeah. And I remember seeing a bumper sticker that said, don't believe everything you hear. And mm -hmm. don't believe everything that you think because right. sometimes spouses really do get brainwashed into thinking that they have such unrealistic expectations when their expectations are just perfectly normal, that it's the, it's the partner who's belittling them and who is shaming them that their expectations are out of mm -hmm. whack. So I say, or look out. at, I say, look at your sex expectations. What, what were your sex expectations coming into the dating relationship, coming into this, the engagement, coming into the marriage, coming into seasons of parenthood, going mm -hmm. to going into old yeah. age. Like there are varying seasons that can cause a person to feel less sexually interested than other seasons. But I still think that the sex expectation within marriage is that some sex is happening or else, <laughs> yeah. or else it is a roommate situation. Imagine four days on a beach in paradise with three experts in sexual connection, helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Nyer Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop coming up May 24th through 27th or May 27th through 30th, 2020. Register today at shannonetheridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited so don't miss this sexually confident couple workshop. It's truly going to be unbelievable. Yeah, like you and I have talked about recently, I mean, about expectations, uh, not even sex expectations, but just expectations of uh, people and life and circumstances and 
when those aren't discussed, um, it can really set you up for failure. So I, I think it's a great idea to talk about just what you envision in your future and uh, when it comes to, to sex. Yeah, I wonder, spouse. I wonder if we were to poll our audience, what percentage would say that their premarital counseling, if they had any, uh, covered anything about sexual intimacy or if it went very deep at all? Because I suspect that most couples either didn't get premarital counseling or mm -hmm. the premarital counseling that they got was maybe from a pastor who covered some spiritual bases, some commitment bases, right. uh, but really didn't go very deep in the sexual arena. And I think that that is such a disservice to couples that you're doing premarital counseling or coaching with that you've got to talk about sex. That's Well, yeah. That's but you given. know what? I mean, I've always thought, not that in my first marriage, I mean, we did have, we had to have premarital counseling to get married at church. And, um, you know, so it's not like it went in vain or it was pointless. I mean, there were things we talked about that needed to be discussed, but you know, when you first get married, um, I think you would agree sometimes it does look a lot different on both, both sides with the women and the men, and then it just changes. So, um, you know, how do you navigate through that though? Like you're talking about with once you get settled and years pass and you're paying bills and kids come along and, you know, um, your, with your own past has a lot to do with your sex drive and your view of, of sex in your marriage. And mm -hmm. you get through those seasons of discrepancy with lots and lots of communication, mm -hmm. but so many couples feel as if we we can't even have sex let alone talk about it that that just yeah, that seems almost yeah. scarier than so having communication it. is not an option sometimes yeah. i guess about that yeah so oftentimes our parents didn't give us appropriate words to use to talk about our bodies our partners bodies sexual activities etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. so yeah you have to open up lines you have to be able to talk about it um but here's here's something that i really want the people who are on the lower end of the desire spectrum to remember when their higher desire partner is coming toward them with some amorous intentions, they are not trying to corner you. They are trying to give you the biggest compliment in the world because mm -hmm. what is a bigger compliment than I like you? I dig <laughs> you. I think you're cool. I love you. I crave you. I want to be with you. I want to give you pleasure. I want to experience pleasure with you. Like that is, there is no bigger compliment in the world. But I right. know that people who are on that lower end of the, of the desire spectrum, they can feel as if they're being invited into a really scary room. And right. why in the world would you want to go into a really scary room? Like mm -hmm. I stopped going to haunted houses when I was like 30 because it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is just not even worth the heart attack with yeah. the guy jumping out of the, <laughs> of the wings with the chainsaw and, rawr, and so, yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to pay to pee your pants anymore. <laughs> exactly. <right>? exactly. <laughs> but that's what sex can often feel like to people who have really never discovered their sexual selves who've really yeah. never gotten comfortable in their own sexual skin. And there may even be some people who feel as if they have such an aversion to sex that they've asked themselves the question, am I asexual? Mm -hmm. Do I just yeah. not have sexual desires at all? The clients that I have worked with over the past 15 years or so who come into me saying, I believe I'm asexual. What happens is one of two things. 
we either peel back the layers of the negative messages that they got around their sexuality and they discover that they actually are sexual beings. They were just mm-hmm. buried underneath mounds and mounds of shame. And once they see their way clear of all that, they, their, their sexual appetite is awakened. They do start having feelings and thoughts and desires and it's really mm-hmm. exciting to them. I'll bet. Yeah. Or sometimes the case is, they feel asexual in their relationship because it's such an unrewarding, unfulfilling, challenging relationship. And I have seen clients go through divorces, but then meet someone else and discover that they do have sexual desire, that it was the relational dynamics that was absolutely suffocating their sexual desire. So going back to the concept of the scary room, what if, what if you were to, let's just, I'm going to go like totally off the cuff here. <laughs> okay. What if I were to show up at three o'clock in the afternoon instead of nine o'clock at night to that haunted house and look at how they constructed the, the walls and the tunnels and where the curtains were hung that people jumped out from with the chainsaws mm-hmm. or the vampire teeth or whatever. Like, what if I knew the ins and outs of of what I could expect in there. Do you think that I could go back through that haunted house with a totally different perspective just because I've had experience with looking behind the scenes of what it's really like? I think you could do it without, um, you know, knowing, knowing what was going to happen and where it was going to happen and when, and I feel like I could do it with not just without fear, but with anticipation and excitement and even joy. I think I could laugh through the whole thing (laughs) because it's not so scary. And that's what people have to do when it comes to their partner's invitation into the room of intimacy. It literally is a space, a sacred space in the marriage bed where I want to I want to get jiggy with you. I want to get funky. I want to get naked. I want to, I might want to get kinky. We'll see. You know, maybe, maybe let them warm up to that, but I want to get totally uninhibited with you. I want to get revved up, jazzed up, turned on. I want to become fully alive, but only if you are becoming fully alive with me and that together we can experience that excitement and that anxiety and that euphoria and that feeling of we conquered our fear and we (laughs) did it, we connected and we both had great orgasms and we feel so bonded and united. Like that's, that's what I want for people. But Mm -hmm. I, I also remember there was this lady who approached me when I was speaking in Canada, probably about 10 years ago. And I noticed that as I was talking and I was talking on sexual integrity which you know, we've talked about how there's a completely different conversation around sexual integrity that there is around sexual intimacy. I wasn't invited there to talk about intimacy on that weekend. I was there to talk about sexual integrity. Well, this woman approaches me afterwards and she's like, um, you know, well, I've tried to become an integritous person, but I, I just feel as if I'm always having to fight off my husband's advances. And I'm like, Now, wait a minute. You didn't misunderstand that what I was saying is that you should shut your sexuality down altogether. I was just saying you shouldn't look outside your marriage for sexual intimacy. But she went on before I had the chance to explain or to ask for clarification. And so she goes on to say, I warned my husband about five years into our marriage that I had had enough. And if he keeps trying to do these things to me, that I'm going to have to leave him. And I said, well, how long have y'all been married at this point? And she said, 22 years, but it's been a miserable 22 years. Mm. And I was like, 
only because he wants to have sex with you? Like my heart absolutely broke. And, and then she went on to explain, I was raised on a farm and that was what the animals do. That was not what humans are supposed to do. And I was like, but you do realize that human beings do do this. Every living creature does this. This is not just what the animals do, but mm -hmm. her, I think that her parents were probably so Puritan. She never saw them kiss or hold hands or flirt that she just assumed that they only had sex for procreation purposes. Right. Yeah. And, and once she had her babies with him, she was done. That was it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah wow. I'm, I'm sure that her husband wondered, do I have a right to a divorce if yeah. I'm, if I have to keep my hands off of my own wife the rest of my life, mm -hmm. that yeah. this isn't what I signed up for. So he just wants to play. <laughs> yeah. So I really wow. want to urge those listening that, you know what? It is our responsibility to raise sexually healthy kids because those kids grow up to become adults and they become husbands and wives who are in marriages where there needs to be a vibrant, healthy sexual dynamic and they need to teach mm -hmm. their own children what healthy sexuality looks like. And so I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation, but I feel as if we could talk about it for a long, long time. Yeah. We, don't, <laughs> we don't have a long, long time, yeah. but let me just yeah. cover a few things that I wanted to make sure to squeeze into this particular podcast. Couples who are in a sexless marriage will often ask me, is it okay if I feel the need to masturbate? Because I mm -hmm. still have sexual desires and I don't want to be unfaithful to them. I want to be patient until we figure this out, but I still have sexual needs. I say that that's probably one of the main reasons that the Bible doesn't expressly forbid masturbation. And that probably needs to be one of our upcoming topics in the next like four or five episodes because we yeah I, i'm we, sure you saying that people are thinking wait it what, <laughs> what is it what does the bible say about Ex that so, exactly so we need to unpack show that on its own <laughs> exactly we need to unpack that more fully i want to talk about some of the reasons that couples can find themselves in a sexless relationship so i'm just gonna go down this list number one we've mentioned it a little bit they just don't feel as if they can talk about their needs, their wants, their desires, their fantasies, their pleasure. Another thing is that they may feel like roommates. They feel as if all we can talk about is the house, the kids, the bills, all of that, but there's not a lot of conversation around their intimate life. So another possible reason is that if there's not a lot of non-sexual touch going on in the marriage, the mm -hmm. idea of sexual touch can just feel so freaking foreign. So I really do encourage people to hold so hands. like what? Okay. Hold, yeah. Hold hands, say, what do you mean? hug, snuggle, uh, stroke each other's thigh, uh, you know, like run fingers through the hair, give each other a foot rub, mm -hmm. anything, anything, because it doesn't seem like such a far cry to touch each other sexually if you touch each other frequently non-sexually. But I'll right. also say to men, especially women need non-sexual touch. If you come mm -hmm. in and you go straight for her butt or straight for her boobs or straight for her crotch, yeah. it's probably going to piss her off. She, yeah. she needs to be warmed up. Warm her up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. go with her, hug her, hold her, look at her in the eye, ask her how her day was before you start groping at her intimate ports. Right. Um, another reason is oftentimes pregnancy will just suck the life out of a mm -hmm. woman or sometimes kids. And, and it's not just women who, uh, get exhausted and overwhelmed from kids. Sometimes men can come home from work or, or maybe they're the stay at home dads and they just feel as if I've been hanging out with kids for the past two hours. I just want to be left alone. I just want to withdraw. And so don't give so much time and energy to your kids that you don't have anything left for your mate. 
I also think that another possible reason is couples who refuse to expose themselves to anything arousing. I've known some couples who are like, we don't watch rated R movies. We don't uh, listen to secular music. We don't. And, and we're going to talk about legalism and what that does to our sexual mindset yeah. on another episode too. But if you won't read any sort of romance novel and you know, I can respect people who are like, you know, well, I don't want to look at porn, but you know, if you're, totally shutting down your brain to anything sexually arousing at all, then I can see how that translates into a relatively sexless marriage. I mean, at least you need to entertain thoughts of your spouse. At least you need to entertain thoughts of what right. you would like to experience. Yeah. Sexually. Let those walls down. Exactly. Like trigger that pituitary gland, get that blood <laughs> going to the clitoris and to the penis so that you can feel a little titillated and aroused. Mm -hmm. uh, couples who don't flirt, uh, that it's just, they talk about business or they talk about, you know, like really deep spiritual stuff, but never lighthearted, frivolous, playful, sexual bantering. I, I think that there's probably a very good reason why they don't feel comfortable getting into that sexual zone. Couples who distract or individuals who distract themselves with television or games on their phone or Facebook. It's uh, a big one. That is a big one. Because the, the spouse is sitting there like, well, I would love to be having sex right now, but you seem to be totally engrossed. So God forbid me interrupt your whatever you're doing, <laughs> your television watching or your all important video game that you got to get to the next level before you go right. to sleep tonight. You know, like yep. really? Um, also fear of exposure, fear of humiliation, fear of being belittled, fear of being bullied. Like all of these are really valid reasons why people can be very hesitant to go into that room where inhibitions are lowered and skin to skin happens and oxytocin mm -hmm. is created and that bond is created. So we've, we've covered the playmates versus roommates and the sexpectations in the scary rooms. I want to end with the concept of magic wands, Michelle. <laughs> what do you mean, <laughs> Harry Potter? What are we talking here? Well, I mean, we all know that there is no such thing as a magic wand, but I do want to say that the women who have chosen to come to a Women at the Well workshop and look at their fears and look at their angers and look at their sadnesses and look at their inhibitions and look at their earliest childhood messages around sexuality, that those four days really can be like a magic wand. There's... Yeah. Lots of women Absolutely. go home totally on fire for their husbands. I remember yeah. one woman declaring <laughs> at the top of her lungs, like she was the most soft-spoken woman in the room the entire four days <laughs> in this particular group. And on day four, that morning, she was just glowing. She looked 10 pounds lighter and 10 years <laughs> younger. And she just had her head totally up high. And she just, she looked like she was just like a little girl in a candy store. And she declared, I'm ready to go home and have a F first and i think <laughs> what f word i'm referring to but not friend <laughs> no, not roommate not your uh, friend roommate that's awesome hey ladies i'm celeste from arkansas and i attended my first women at the well workshop last year and i was blown away and now i want to ask you a few bold questions what would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt shame or inhibition 
Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if you're single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending your own Women at the Well workshop with Shannon Etheridge, an author of 22 books and a relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking on the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to 10 women, so act now and reserve your spot today. Yeah, I love so, that. <laughs> so here's the magic wand, in my opinion, and I'm taking it straight from scripture because I do think that properly applied scripture is a magic wand or is at least the closest thing to a magic wand that exists on this side of heaven. Right. But I think that that passage of scripture, that perfect love casts out fear. I think mm -hmm. that when you can look at what you're so stinking afraid of and you can be supportive enough of your spouse to look at what they're so stinking afraid of that you can conquer those fears and that you can discover the joy and the passion and the pleasure and the euphoria that God intended for marriage to be able to provide. Yeah. And you can have a lot more empathy for their journey because then Absolutely. you know that it's not about you. It's not well, about that, you. Yeah. And I have I to say to crucial. Annie, it's not that you're disgusting. It's certainly not that you're a whore. It's it, mm -mm. this, this is his issue. It's not yours. I'm not saying that you don't play any part in it whatsoever. Cause every, every relationship is co-created somehow, some way, but this definitely sounds like he needs to work on his issues. So I know that there are women going, well, okay, you have women at the well workshops. Do you have men at the well workshops? The answer to that is no, because <laughs> men coming together, eight to 10 people, at a time to do four days <laughs> talking about their feelings is probably never gonna oh, I, don't, I shouldn't say never there are probably some men who would love that opportunity but I don't provide right. it but I do provide one-on-one -on -one coaching for individuals and couples yeah. so I'm mm -hmm. totally honored to help a man figure out what's holding him back or what has caused him so much shame or so much anxiety or so much insecurity that yeah. he is belittling his wife in this way. But no matter who the lower desire partner is, no matter who the higher desire partner is to work with a coach or a counselor who specializes in the area of sexuality can make all mm -hmm. the difference in yeah. the world. I've seen huge turnarounds in short amounts of time when you just open up with someone and talk about what you're each feeling and experiencing. Well, and I totally applaud men that will be enough because I know there's a lot of pride involved in, you know, letting a third party in and sharing struggles with a stranger. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think it's amazing when they will open up and be transparent and, uh, the payoff is priceless for sure. There you go. So thanks for tuning in to this particular episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. We just want to say we love you for listening. And thank you for tapping on us. All right, girl, I'm starving. Oh I got to go eat. Are you? Okay. Yes. I ate before. I crammed a big old fajita in my pie hole. <sighs>